it's interesting. I had uh, several people over the Christmas break get to me via the internet. I got emails from people and uh, communications from people everywhere, and they said, you don't uh, know it, but we tune in every week, and we are part of your online church. And uh, one couple in Minnesota, actually they used to, Jim and um, Kim Motika, you remember that? They said every week they, we are part of the church and we tune in and others said that. So for all the people out in digital land, we love you too. And uh, let's just take a, a moment and I want you to pray with me this morning too. We're, it's been an amazing year around the world. There's something happening right now, you may have seen the news or may not, in Iran. They've cut off the internet there. They're, uh, in seven or eight cities, there is an uprising against the government. And uh, in 1991, I had the privilege of going into um, Budapest, um, Hungary, right after the wall came down in Eastern Europe. And uh, we uh, went in with a number of European leaders. I was living in Spain at the time, and it was an amazing thing. We had professors and students that said, will you put on a training for us? We didn't know we were going to do this, but it just happened. And they said, we met in this former communist youth center. And the kids said, we've never been able to come here because we weren't party members. We weren't communist party members. And there was so much oppression. And all of a sudden, there was freedom. The Lord spoke to me yesterday and said, I'm doing something similar in Iran. There's a stirring going on. And um, fastest growing church right now in the world is in what country? Iran. Did you know that? Would you just join with me in prayer? Because I think God's doing something right now. And then we're going to get into the word just for a few minutes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you're doing. Sometimes we don't even have a clue of what's going on behind the scenes or beneath the surface. Lord, I believe right now you're doing something in the people of Iran. You want to break the bands. You want to break all those things that have kept those people under oppression and have kept them from experiencing, Father, freedom, the freedom to think, the freedom to experience you. Lord, I thank you for the stories that have shared with me. There is a strong and vibrant church that is operating, and many of those people are arrested and set free and arrested. Some never get out of prison. But Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be with your people that are there in that country and that you would give them boldness and strength and courage in the midst of this. Lord, I know that there's a political agenda, but you have a higher agenda that's even beyond that. And I pray, Lord, that your will for that country would be done, that you would break the bands of wickedness, that you would bring a harvest of the souls of men and women. The people there are hungry for you, God. And we just pray, Lord, that you would be with them, bless them, encourage them, even those that are suffering right now as they stand for freedom. Lord, just help them, we ask in Jesus' name. And Lord, thank you for what you're speaking to us this morning. My message is more of the same of what people have already shared, but I pray that you would make it live in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. On December 26th, the day after Christmas, I was reading the news, catching up on the news, and I love the news, although it's hard to find real news, a lot of it's opinion out there, and uh, also some nasty, a lot of nastiness out there, so you have to weed through and find the real news. And uh, I'd never read this site before, it came through an aggregate site, redstate.com had an article, I checked it out, and it's originally, the original article was back in uh, November in the Los Angeles Times. But the title was by a woman named Jennifer Van Lahr, and it was after decades behind bars, one man receives the gift of justice. Caught my attention. So here it is. I'm going to read part of the article to you. It says, the last time that Craig Coley celebrated Christmas as a free man was in 1977. 
the first Atari systems had just hit the market. How many of you are old enough to remember Atari? Yeah, okay. And uh, Star Wars Fever had just hit the nation. Saturday Night Fever was a new box office hit. Craig was arrested November 1978, suspected of murdering his girlfriend and, his four, and her four-year-old son in Simi Valley, California. He steadfastly maintained his innocence the entire time, but was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. Thanks to the relentless efforts of a former Simi Valley detective and a police chief whose curiosity was piqued by the case, DNA testing was performed on a key piece of evidence this year, and Craig was cleared. He was innocent. Forty years in prison, folks. Governor Jerry Brown granted him full and unconditional pardon, and Craig was released from prison on November 24th. If Craig was a bitter and angry over what he lost, which was essentially his entire adult life, it would be understandable. Instead, he's celebrating this Christmas with an attitude of gratitude, faith, and hope. In an exclusive interview with Red State, Craig shared the faith that got him through the, or the nearly 40 years of incarceration and which sustains him today. At Christmas, he said, my emotions are all stirring around at times. It's a lot to take in. But my message to people is keep the faith and be hopeful. Be truthful, be tenacious, don't give up, and I never gave up. Craig is celebrating his, this first family, or this first Christmas with family of Mike Bender, the former detective who spent 30 years attempting to clear, clear Craig's name and, and find the actual murderer. During Craig's imprisonment, both of his parents died, so the Benders adopted him into their family. Bender's extended family from New York flew in to join the celebration. Bender explains, I've been doing this for 30 years, and my family's heard this man's name the whole time, so they feel like he's family too. The Benders are not just taking Craig in for Christmas. They're giving him a roof over his head while he faces the daunting task of building a life as a 70-year-old man entering a foreign world. By the way, just want to say here, Craig had just gotten out of his serving his term, uh, his um, time in the Vietnam, his tour of duty in the Vietnam War when he was arrested and put in prison. If anybody has a right to be bitter, I've got to tell you, it's Craig. I want you to, this, this story just wrecked me. I thought, I love this. This is, the news, this is the news that you often don't hear. Craig is entering a foreign world. His driver's license was long expired, and without a photo ID, he was unable to do anything. He couldn't rent an apartment. He couldn't open a bank account. He needed a birth certificate to get a driver's license, but he needed a photo ID to get his birth certificate. <laughs> How many of you have been in that place? All of these tasks require transportation, so the vendors are providing. Administrative challenges and hoops are just part of the rebuilding process, and there's also a large psychological component to rebuilding his life, including mourning the loss of both his parents who didn't live to see him exonerated. He says this, Craig, quote, when I'm alone, I think about the changes. It's been a long road. It's a bitter pill to swallow, and I have to stay positive. I have my moments when I cry like a baby sometimes. Shortly after his release, Craig visited his parents' uh, resting place at Forest Lawn. It all hit me, realizing they weren't there with me, and that was a rough day for me, but it was a day that I needed. While Craig was in prison, his positive, faithful, truthful attitude allowed him to make the best of a horrific situation. He took advantage of educational opportunities, earned an associate's degree, a certificate in Bible counseling, and worked with fellow Vietnam veterans who were behind bars themselves. Because he's seen up close the difficulties people face when re-entering civilian life, Craig said one of the things he wants to do with his freedom is personally help some veterans and their families. 
Nobody understands a veteran like another veteran, he says. First, though, he needs to find a place to live and support himself. On Christmas Day, though, Craig said his focus was on two things, the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and spending time with loved ones, which is exactly how it should be. This story wrecks me. Does it, does it hit you? Why do life's challenges cause some people to be bitter and others to be overcomers no matter, no matter what? I mean, some of us got up this morning and said, oh man, I've got to shovel snow. It's the end of the world. Snowpocalypse. <laughs> Every year, winter comes back and people go, I didn't know this was going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's predictable. And then people realize we do have four-wheel drive, but we don't have four-wheel brakes. So there are all these fender benders all over the highway. People have to learn to drive all over again. Little things happen in our life. So, you know, right before Christmas, I got this letter from Summit County that says, you are chosen for jury duty. You need to call on January 1st and determine where you will be in the pool and call. So I have jury duty starting January 2nd. I don't know if I'll be called or not. Even if I do, I found out how to get out of it. I just got on and say, I've always wanted to see a hanging trial. <laughs> and they usually don't have you serve on the jury. Now, just so you know, I don't really believe that, but it works, okay? <laughs> Gee, is this being recorded? That was a joke, all right? <laughs> My goodness. You know, Craig's story reminds me of a story out of the Bible, and that's the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. I don't know about you, but if I got framed... I don't know if I'd be sitting around getting a counseling degree so I could help the people around me and spend the next 40 years loving on people, helping them get whole, teaching them about Jesus, because that's what Craig did. Do you know Joseph did the same thing? Now, I want you to think about something. God gave Joseph this amazing dream, and I'm not going to take time to read all the story out of Genesis, but God gives him this dream that someday his father and mother, all of his brothers are going to bow down, that he's going to be in a position of leadership. And sometimes when God gives us a vision or a dream, it's like standing on a mountaintop, seeing another mountaintop. And you say, you know what? I can see it. But we don't realize we've got to walk down that mountain through the valley and up the other mountain to get there. Because it took Joseph 21 years of a lot of really bad things happening before he got to the place that God had promised him to be. Think about some of the things that happened to him. If you read Genesis 37 through Genesis 50, you know that his brothers rejected him. You know that because they resented him, they abused him physically, they beat him up, they threw him in a pit. They argued whether they were going to kill him or sell him as a slave. Sell him as a slave. <laughs> Think about this. No, I mean, we don't, sometimes we do the Sunday school version of stories. You're in a pit, and they're deciding whether they're going to kill you. And the older brother says, why don't we get in trouble? You know, too bad. So we'll sell him as a slave. No big deal. No problem. He gets sold as a slave into Egypt. He does a really good job for his employer. He gets framed with a false accusation, goes to a trial that's rigged, and ends up in prison for 14 years. Think about that. He had every right to become bitter. Rights, by the way are not always the place you want to be. The more I've grown in Christ, I realize I have the right to be right, but I rather would have mercy. Do, do you hear what I'm saying here? I, I somehow suppose when I was a new Christian that the day would come when I didn't need God as much. <laughs> as you grow and mature, it's kind of like, thanks God, I got it from here. Right, Dennis? Yeah, it doesn't work that way, does it? 
The more you know the Lord and the more you know your heart, the more you become dependent on the Lord and the more you say, God, I need you every moment of every day. And yeah, when I was a young person, I saw things in black and white. I don't mean like black and white, like TV, right and wrong. It was so clear, okay? But it's interesting, as you get older, truth doesn't change, but you realize that you'd rather have mercy than judgment. And you let go of the things that would make you bitter. And you let go of the entitlements and you say, God, I just want to walk with you. And I know you're going to work everything out if I trust you. So this week I said, Lord, what do you want me to share with the congregation? I already have two series ready to go to start, okay? So I said, Lord, do I start that? And I felt like the Lord said, share this. The one thing that is going to make you victorious in 2018 and for the rest of your life more than any other thing, and that's why I'm doing it on New Year's Eve, is whether or not you have a thankful heart or a heart of entitlement. Whether you have a heart of bitterness, which goes along with entitlement, or whether you have a heart that's willing to give thanks, not only to God, but to thank other people in your life. Have you noticed that people that aren't thankful are often people that they aren't doing very well? It's funny, some of the people that live in entitlement and bitterness, they say, but yeah, but look at my life. These things are true. They are true. It's true that Joseph was framed, that he was in prison. It's true, this guy Craig, all those things were true. But he made a decision that he wasn't going to allow what other people did to determine who he was. People I know that are still angry at things that happen in their life, when they look in the rearview mirror, all they can do is get angry and say, I can't believe this happened to me, and they can't get over it, are people that will never get free. And bad things happen in our life. Sexual abuse, abandonment, people do really nasty things to us. You know, we, we lose things. Life doesn't usually teach us how to lose things. That's one thing I learned about the grief class. You, learn, you have to learn how to lose sometimes. But the whole point is, is that God is with you, and if you allow him, he will take you to the places that he wants to take you, and he will do that through you. So let me just share real quickly, and I'll put these online so you can look, them, look at them. Seven quick things. Number one, we need to leave ultimate justice to God. It usually doesn't happen in this world. There are going to be bad things that happen to you. Bad things happen to God's people. Bad things happen to good people. God calls people to do things, and then things happen. Think about Abraham's life. Think about Joseph. Think about Jacob. Think about all those people that walk with God. They were called by the Lord. You're having a bad day when you go to rescue your nephew and all of a sudden a raiding army comes and kidnaps your wife and your kids and all your family. And yet somehow God was faithful to Abraham through that whole time. Think about that. So we need to leave justice in God's hands. We need to do all we can uh, to be where God wants us to be, but we need to let him take care of the justice thing. Number two, God often has a higher purpose for our lives that cannot be thwarted by the injustices we experience if we allow him to do what he wants to do. So I got my thing from Summit County, you know, you're going to serve on the jury. And I thought, man, I've got so much to do that first week. And the Lord said, I might have another agenda for you. Maybe you need to share the love that I have with people there in the courthouse. See, the whole thing is, is God has a plan that's bigger. And we have these little things that happen to us, and we say, hey, I didn't, I didn't plan on this detour. Right? Yeah. And we lose, we lose our sense of peace because it's not going the way we thought it was going to go. Amen. 
We get mad at God. I can't tell you how many people I know that are mad at God because they prayed and God didn't do what they wanted him to do. Well, see, they've got it backwards. They're not God. It's God who's God. I remember the Lord telling me I was in a bad work situation. The Lord said, I want you to stay here one year more because I want you to learn how to live in the midst of an unjust situation and produce the fruit of righteousness. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And I learned a lot that year. It was tough. And I was glad when the year was over because I put in my resignation. But it was, it was an amazing time. God taught me a lot of things. The hardships in our life can be used to shape us and make us who God wants us to be. It's very clear in Romans 5. It says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. How can Paul say this? We glory in our sufferings. What is he he saying? Pay attention. He says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. James says something similar in James 1-2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. This is part of the Christian gospel that we need to grasp and understand. We live in a broken world, and God works his purposes out in us in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of unjust people, and we can't sit around complaining about the world. We need to roll up our sleeves and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? I love what happens with Joseph. Everywhere he goes, he ends up being a leader. He ends up becoming the trustee for the prison system. You know what I mean? Think about that. When you allow God to do what you want to do, you can't lose. The enemy cannot defeat you. Nobody can defeat you. Your destiny is in your hands because you are praising God and you're allowing God to do what he wants to do. The third thing is gratefulness and thanksgiving invite God's presence into a situation. When you are complaining, God can't work. When you are... Telling God, I can't believe I'm here. I'm really mad. I don't like what you're doing. I don't want to follow this. I don't, you know, and you fight him and you fight what's going on in your life. You don't give God a chance to break through in your situation. Probably the best story in all of scripture, we won't take time to read it, is Paul and Silas. They've been abused. They've been beaten. They were given a bad trial. They're locked in a jail in Philippi. There were no lights there. There was no electricity. Those jails smelled really bad. And it says, one of my favorite jazz albums is Around Midnight. I love it. I wonder if it's based on this. But it says, Around Midnight, Paul and Silas started praising God And they started lifting, and all the prisoners are listening to them, and the whole jail, there's this earthquake, and all the bars fall off, and everybody is set free. Because when you praise God, it invites God's presence into the situation, and it changes the whole atmosphere. So you say, I'm in a really bad situation right now. Well, start giving thanks to God and praising Him, and allow Him the opportunity to change the atmosphere where you are. You have supernatural power as you allow God to work in you and through you, you can change what's going on. You can't change what happens to you a lot of the time, but you can change how you deal with it. And you can invite God into the situation. Remember Steve Fry's message a couple months ago? That was right on. Invite God into the situation. You are kings and priests of the Lord. Invite God in to do what he wants to do in that situation. Number four, a grateful heart is linked to receiving and understand God's truth. When you have a heart of thanksgiving, 
It's a compass for your soul. It keeps you linked to God's heart and it keeps you in right alignment with God. As a matter of fact, when, you, when people stop thanking God, they lose their way. It happens in scripture all the time. There's a, a, a verse in Romans chapter one. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. When people stop thanking God, a darkness enters their soul. They lose the light of Christ. There is a connection between thanking God and having a thankful heart and having a heart of revelation from the Lord. The minute you stop being thankful and the minute you start shutting down on God, darkness enters your heart and you're on, you're on the doorstep of deception right there. Does that make sense? I don't know about you, but that really hits me. That's powerful. Number five, thanksgiving breaks the power of discouragement and despair. It reminds us, when you start giving thanks, what it does is it reminds you how God's come through before in the past. And it causes faith to rise up in our hearts. Thanksgiving out loud discourages the enemy because it reminds him, yeah, I've been here before and God's always come through for me. I remember one season of my life where I was, there was so much spiritual warfare and I had a hard time sleeping at night and I yelled at the devil. Actually, I yelled in my whisper because Janice was sleeping, but I went in the other room. And I said, you keep waking me up, I'm going to keep praying for hours at night and you're going to really be sorry. I started sleeping almost immediately after that. The enemy left me alone. We are to thank God in all things at all times. We may not be able to thank him for what just happened to you, but you can thank him that he's faithful and he will be with you and that he will work out all things together for good for you, even in the midst of your trial, of your injustice. Does that make sense? Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, make melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. People all the time ask me, what do you think God's will is for my life? It's to praise Him in all circumstances to start with. People want to know the details. They want a plan from God. This is your seven-year plan. I want you to follow this. And, you know, we want to know all the details of what God wants for us, but they're not obeying the basic things that God told them to do already in the Word. And you want your destiny and you want God to reveal things. If you're not obeying God and the things He already gave you, you're not going to get the details of the rest. You begin to praise God and say, Lord, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going. What it's like it's doing is you're resetting your GPS. How many of you remember when the GPS things came out on the phone? It says, move and figure eight configuration to reset your G. I don't know what it was doing, but it was kind of funny. And you know, it just out there on the road, you know, it's like shake it up, you know, make sure it's all mixed. And then all of a sudden it would reset. It doesn't make sense sometimes, but the Lord says, why don't you stop right now and just praise me and start giving thanks for all the things I've done in the past. And I'm going to reset your heart and put you where I want you to be. It's so important. We need to remember that. Thanksgiving breaks the power of discouragement. Number six, giving thanks breaks the power of anxiety and restores our peace. How many of you want peace? And I heard Aaron, I heard other people say it this morning. Philippians 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say it, rejoice. What does rejoice mean? Literally, it means to take joy again. It means to go back and take back the joy that you may have lost. Let your reasonableness be known to everybody. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, 
Janice said a little bit earlier, don't you love people that quote things to you? Don't be anxious about anything. But the clue is how you stop being anxious is, is right after this. It says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Supplication is prayer that's asking God for his will to be done. And with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right now in the church, there are people everywhere that are trying to find solutions to their life and find peace. And Christians are doing it through drugs, they're doing it through meditation, they're doing it through other things. But the interesting thing is, very few people follow God and what he tells them to do. Yeah. And what he says to them is, get down on your knees, get in your favorite place of prayer, whatever you need to do, and pour out your heart to me. And tell me what's going on. And come to me and offer up thanks to me. And I'll reset your heart and I'll give you a peace and an assurance that I am with you and that I'm going to take care of you. The generations before me, I remember when I was young in the church, used to call it praying through. You would pray until you got a breakthrough from the Lord. And it's funny because sometimes when you go to pray, the last thing you want to do is be praying. Can we be honest about that? Sometimes the discipline, the obedience comes before the feelings. You start with the discipline of saying, Lord, I don't, I sometimes even, I said, Lord, I don't even want to be here. There are mornings when I get up and I go, am I saved? You know, <laughs> do you have mornings like that? No, I mean, seriously, you get up and you've just had, a, it's been a tough thing. Everything's going on and you go, Lord, I'm here, but I really don't feel like being here. If you can't be honest with God like that, then you don't have an authentic relationship. I'm kind of like Tevia and it's fiddling around the roof. Well, Lord, now that you're in the neighborhood... So what I'm saying is we need to start and say, Lord, here I am. I don't feel like being here, but I know that you are faithful. There are other mornings I get up and I'm already in hyperdrive. You know, God's giving me revelations and I'm writing stuff down. And I'm just being honest with you. I remember when my pastor shared that with me years ago when I was first starting out. And he said, there are mornings when you get up and you go, man, you know, I'm, I'm in the midst of a faith crisis. And I said, you? Pastor Alford, you're in a faith crisis? If he feels that way, it's okay for me. Just be obedient to the Lord. Here's the last one, seven. Entitlement and bitterness diminish your identity and limit your destiny. As long as you are living with bitterness, bitterness is unforgiveness that says, I'm just not going to let go of that offense and I'm going to continue to hold unforgiveness in my heart. You become bitter. Entitlement says, I'm entitled to something from God and from other people, and uh, this is something that I believe that I should have. And we get angry when we don't feel like God gives us what we should have. The problem is, as long as you are full of entitlement and bitterness, your destiny is not in your hands, it's in the hands of the people that offended you. And I've got to tell you something, for some people, they can't admit it, but they're angry with God. That's one of the hardest things for me, and when I take people through freedom prayer, is get them to admit that they're angry with God. And it's really funny because God already knows what you think. He knows what you feel. He knows your thoughts. He loves you. He loves you anyway. He knows everything about us, and he loves us more than anything you can imagine. He just wants us to be honest with him. 
You need to find your identity in God. We need to allow God to set our destiny. If we're blaming others for our condition, and by the way, there are times when it's true, other people have done really nasty things to us. They can be real setbacks. I go back to the story about Craig. His story encourages me. If he can make it after 40 years of being, after getting out of Vietnam and then just getting you know, into this trial where he, he's, he, and he knows he's innocent. He could have just sat in his cell bitter saying, I'm going to get out and I'm going to kill the person that did this. I'm going to find the real people. And I hate law enforcement. I hate everybody. But he chose not to do that. If he had done that, his destiny would have never been in his own hands. If, I, if he was standing here today, I would say to him, I would say, Craig, I'm so proud of you. What an amazing story. I believe it, when he stands before the Lord in heaven, he's going to be one of the guys on parade that the Lord says, this guy gets a special award. I really believe that. And God wants us to be the same way. When you let all unforgiveness go and you begin to thank God for what he's done, God can release his destiny for you. And by the way, a grateful heart will attract other good people to you. If you have a heart of bitterness and entitlement, it will attract other people with a heart of bitterness and entitlement, and they will help you get nowhere. And you can go nowhere together. Yeah, Eeyore. (laughs) People are always talking a spirit of this or that. There's a spirit of Eeyore, I think. Well, that's the word for today. I think the Lord wants us to grasp that. And this wasn't new for most of us, right? But it's something that I felt like the Lord wanted to remind us about today. Can we stand together? Let's just praise the Lord, will you? Just begin to thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We bless you, God. Lord, all of us in our lives have experienced various levels of injustice. We've had things happen to us that have taken our breath away. Even some of the stories I heard this morning, Lord, and I heard people praising you even though they're in the midst of challenges and trials because, Lord, you are bigger than all these things. And, God, we just want to say to you today, we want to release our hearts to you. And I want, to, I want to call you to accountability to the word this morning. If some of you are here this morning, you may have never uh, asked the Lord to come into your heart. You may have never uh, asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and said, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to obey you. I want to be a Jesus follower. You can do that this morning before you leave. There are others that you've been hanging on to unforgiveness. There are people that have hurt you in the past And you've been hanging on to that and you've been spiritually stuck. And the Lord is saying, will you let go and cling to me instead? And I want to take you somewhere where you've never gone before. I want to ask you this morning, how many of you would say, I need help doing that? Would you just raise your hand? You need help doing that? Oh God, Lord, I never want to make light of other people's misfortunes. There are a number of people that raised their hand this morning. Lord, we do terrible things to one another as human beings sometimes. And I pray, Lord, that you would heal the hearts of those who raise their hands. But Lord, we want to release in forgiveness those who have sinned against us, those who have hurt us, those who have done injustices against us, Lord. And it's not because they're right. It's not because they're off the hook. They're not off the hook with you, Lord. They will still answer to you. But we need to release them in our hearts, God. 
so that you can take us where you want us to go so that our hearts can be free. So Lord, this morning, as we contemplate 2017, as we begin to look at 2018, we just want to open our hearts to you and say, Lord, we want to let everything go and we want to embrace you and we want to have a lifestyle of thanksgiving and praise, a life of gratefulness to you, God. Would you put that heart in us this year? Can you just raise your hands like me? I know that might be new for some of you, but just raise your hands to the Lord. Say, God, would you, the one verse we read talks about how his love is distributed in our hearts. The King James says his love is shed abroad in our hearts. God, would you just fill us up with your love? Lord, as we forgive, as we release others in forgiveness, God, as we start this year with a heart of thanksgiving instead of a heart of bitterness, would you just release your love in us, God, in the name of Jesus? Do the work of healing in us. Give us that perspective, Lord, that Joseph had, that this guy Craig had, Lord, that he was able to say, I'm going to let those people go because I want to be everything God wants me to be. Lord, let your destiny, your identity be realized in us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. But I just want to pray blessing over every home, every family. Lord, as we celebrate the new year tomorrow with family and friends, as Many of us come tomorrow night, Lord, 6 to 8. We're going to be gathering here. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to start this year a reset of our hearts in a new way, that your blessing would be on each one of us. Bless us that we can be a blessing to others, we pray. Lord, watch over each of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's go in the blessing of the Lord.